I'm often known for saying like there's more incompetence in the field of marketing that there is in any other industry in the world. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. Talking business ownership, the nuts and bolts and everything in between. Well, big statement there from today's guest at the Tradies Business Show. Welcome to another episode. Great to have you with me. Always awesome to get uh, your comments and feedback. I've had a few uh, emails and messages via Facebook in the last couple of weeks uh, in relation to a couple of episodes that have come out. So it's been all good. No haters. Uh, I don't get too many haters. And according to today's guest, it means I'm not actually trying hard enough. So I think I need to try a little harder and get some hate mail from uh, from you guys and gals out there. But look, today's guest is talking to us about marketing. You might have picked that up from the intro. And uh, this guy has built, well, one of, soon to probably be Australia's uh, best, biggest, most successful marketing agency from his bedroom with zero on the uh, on the scorecard to uh, over $10 million in revenue this year in just four years. Now, uh, this guy has got some energy to bring to the table, and um, I could have sat and listened to Sabri Subi from King Kong. Uh, I could have listened to him talk about marketing all day. He's speaking my language, this man. He's talking metrics. He's talking about what not to do, what people get wrong, and um, and he doesn't mind having a shot at his own industry, which um, takes uh, takes cojones, um, but I think it shows his passion and his authenticity as well. That uh, you know he's willing to call out the people that aren't doing things uh, very well in his own industry. So fantastic episode. Um, stick around to the end where uh, we we basically have a giveaway for you as a listener to the Tradies Business Show. Um, so there's a link you can go to and you can actually uh, work out how to double your sales in your business um, through your marketing. But Sabri also answers the question of how on earth he came up with the name of King Kong for his marketing agency. So all things marketing today. He's got some great advice for you and some things you can put into place straight away. So have a listen. And as always, hit me on Facebook because uh, that's my chosen platform, um, not Snapchat. But uh, hit me on Facebook and uh, love to know your feedback. Enjoy. Joining me today at the Tradies Business Show is a man who four years ago was working in his bedroom and now is looking at turning over... 10 million bucks. So this guy knows a thing or two about how to grow a business. He's not a tradie per se, uh, but I do know he's got plenty of stuff that's going to be of value to you as a listener. So tune the ears into this one. Sabri, welcome to the show, mate. Excellent. Thanks for having me aboard. Mate, absolute pleasure. Um, I happen to love a bit of marketing and sales. It's, it's probably the area that keeps me the most excited about business. Um, as I said in the intro there, mate, uh, bedroom to 10 mil in four years, that's pretty impressive. Can you... Yeah, look, it's been, been a wild ride. <laughs> I bet it has, mate. I bet your parents are happy. They are. <laughs> um, mate, tell us a bit about that journey. I mean, uh, can, you, can you sort of uh, turn the lights on for us as far as who you are, what you do, and, and how the heck you've grown so quickly? 
Yeah, sure. Well, look, um, as, as, as you stated, I started, you know, King Kong from my bedroom, you know, just a little over four years ago, you know, with, with no money or business loans or venture capital and really no safety net. Um, you know, I was kind of just a relatively young guy, had just gotten married um, and pretty much kind of made the decision to, to really start up an agency business and go into this model and kind of day one started cold calling. I had no more than kind of $50 um, and, you know, a computer that my girlfriend, now my wife, had, had bought me and I just kind of loaded up my VoIP account and put on my headset and really just started kind of dialing in and looking for new clients and, and really did the hard yards of, you know, making 100 cold calls a day and getting hung up on and sweared at and all the usual suspects <laughs> that kind of go in into building a business when you don't have the liberty of having like a treasure trove of, of cash, so to speak, um, and just built the business, you know, off, off sweat equity really. And, you know, from one client to 10 clients and it just grown it, you know, to the point where now we're fortunate to have like hundreds of clients in all different niches all around Australia and, and don't need to do any of that kind of, you know, muddy work of being in the trenches and cold calling people anymore to get new clients. I bet you're sad about that, mate. Oh, I, I, not a day goes by where I, I, I don't wish I had to get on the telephone to make a call. <laughs> so you're not one of these weirdos that loves cold calling? Look, I don't love it. I know that it is the most incredible tool probably that, that you have at your disposal because, you know, marketing and using marketing to kind of leverage your business and grow your business is the most powerful thing that you can do. But, you know, when you're just starting out and you don't have money, that there's just an avenue like cold calling where – there is no excuses. Like you can literally load up a VoIP account for unlimited calls for $4 a month and you can just be calling to get new business. And I wouldn't have this business if I didn't do that. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. if, if I had to have money to go out there and run ads, then I certainly wouldn't be in this position that I am right now. No. And, you know, someone like yourself, you, you probably would have got there eventually. You would have found a way, but it's uh, it certainly speeds up the process at the front end of a business startup, doesn't it? Without a doubt. And like, I always think that, you know, successful people are willing to do that all the things that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. And the reality of it is that, you know, you can pretty much start a business in any line through cold calling. And the reality of it is that it takes very thick skin to do that. And the majority of people aren't willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of the questions I'm going to ask you today, Sabri, you're going to have some pretty good answers to, I reckon, because uh, you don't grow a $10 million agency without uh, being able to answer questions like, what is different about King Kong? Yeah, look, I, th I think that really boils down to like the, the, the question that I always kind of is at the top of my mind, you know, and the problem that I've always had to try to solve for businesses that I've been in is how do I get new clients? And I think that, you know, I that's something that I really ponder on most than than most people, I think, more than most people, is just looking at, you know, how do I get new clients? And then looking at that beyond just, you know, my business and my agency model, but looking at all the clients that, that I work with in over, you know, 126 different industries and niches is solving that fundamental problem for businesses, which is how do I get clients? And not only how do I get clients, but how do I get the best clients in the most efficient manner possible? Mm -hmm. And I guess I've, this is not my first rodeo. I have run other businesses. 
businesses and we've always needed to kind of, you know, I've always brought that customer acquisition and digital marketing to the mix, but there's always been points where, you know, I've had to look at hiring other agencies. And that's really where the whole thing came about of starting King Kong is just speaking with a bunch of agencies that all had like a cookie cutter approach and wanted just to sell me an SEO plan and this is how many keywords you get and kind of away you go and wouldn't really think about, you know, where are the best customers, how do I reach them and, you know, they all had an agenda in terms of one type of service that they were selling and that's how I kind of identified the market in terms of seeing that there was no one out there from a digital marketing perspective that talked in terms of dollars and revenue and generating sales. They were all hiding behind these vanity metrics as we call them, like Mm -hmm. how many clicks are you getting and impressions and so many people are seeing this and the social reach. So I think the fundamental thing is with King Kong is, you know, we are a return you know, on investment-driven agency. We're all about ROI. We're all about how many leads are we getting? How much does it cost to acquire a lead for our clients? How many leads do they need to get in order to generate a customer? And then on the back of that, really dialing in what those numbers looks like and then being willing to kind of have some skin in the game and stick our neck out as the only agency in Australia that will actually guarantee results. Jeez, mate, you're starting to sound like a business coach. Yeah, well, look, in terms of what we definitely look at it, not just in a tactical level, we don't just get in the weeds and just think about, oh, you know, this is how much clicks you're getting. Like, you know, we, we know that, you know, the ultimate thing is that the majority of businesses that fail and the bulk of those businesses fail because they're undercapitalized. And the reason that they're undercapitalized is because they don't have the ability to ring the cash register in high enough volumes with fat enough profit margins to sustain their business. So we don't just look at it as like, oh, we're just a digital marketing agency that's going to get you some traffic. Like we want to be entrenched in your business and really understand the unit economics and understand what it's going to take for you to thrive and, and to get really good results. So we can work with you for, for many years to come. And that's, the, I guess, the, the kind of, you know, pivotal switch that we look at in, in a different aspect to kind of most other agencies. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's it's something that, uh, you know, I've been business coaching and now tradie wingman um, for over 10 years. And it's, it's infuriating, to be honest, that uh, so many... And this is going to be dissing on marketing agencies. I don't mean to do that, but I, I, don't worry, I do it all the time. <laughs> maybe I'll let you do that, and I'll preserve my. Uh, I'll keep the haters to a minimum. But uh, you know, I go in and I see businesses that are spending good money on marketing strategies and marketing tactics that they don't know whether they're getting a return on that or not, and. You know, it's all based around, oh, well, it's it's good for our business or it looks good or, you know, we're getting heaps of engagement. And it's like engagement doesn't mean crap if it's not, like you say, you know, get the cash register ringing. It's It's got to be turning into bookings and clients. Otherwise, what the heck are you doing it for? 100%. And that's just like, that's an issue that is just rampant. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm often known for saying like there's more incompetence in the field of marketing that there is in any other industry in the world. Um, and that's because like, especially with digital agencies or any marketing agencies, is that like, you know, the barriers to entry in order to start up a business is really nothing. Like you can do it you know, in your pajamas from your ba- from your bedroom. You know, I wasn't in my pajamas, but I did start. I was going to say, bedroom. mate, that's 
you did exactly the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I did. And, and the reality of it is, though, that, you know, I didn't go out there and try to teach people something that I did, didn't know how to do myself or had no experience in doing. Um, and, you know, that's the reality of it is you certainly would not be able to build a $10 million business if you didn't know what you were doing. No. Um, but it's just that there is this, this, the barriers to entries are so low is that you get people that have read a blog post, you know, about SEO and all of a sudden think that they know how to do SEO or Facebook ads or whatever it might be. And then they're kind of, you know, in business and they're convincing people to, to do business with them and they have no idea on actually how to deliver on the promises that they're making. And that's something that's rampant in a lot of industries, but it's also definitely there and very, very clear in the digital marketing space. So tell us a bit about your your background before that defining bedroom business starting moment, Sabri. It's, yeah. uh, you know, you, you mentioned you've had other businesses. Obviously, you've come at this with uh, a perspective and some experience. Uh, tell us a bit more about that, mate. Sure. Well, look, I, I got my start when I was 17. I had my first kind of full-time job. It was a sales job. Um, and, you know, I sucked. I was absolutely horrible at sales in, in, in the beginning. And it was like typical movie, like the office was in um, a shipping container and there was 15 people in a shipping container with no air conditioning in Byron Bay where I grew up and we were basically calling on 300 businesses a day um, and basically buying back their empty ink cartridges and selling them ink cartridges and all types of crazy stuff. Um, I did that. I, I sucked really bad for the first kind of two months and then kind of had like, you know, a breakthrough or that pivotal moment where I kind of started to approach it like a game and Really, from there, I went over to London and I've been in sales. I did sales for a very, very long time. I've sold everything door-to-door, face-to-face, over the telephone, in-person, one-to-one and one-to-many. Um, and I've sold everything that you can probably probably ever think about. And from that, I kind of come back to Australia, went to university, um, was working for a company part-time that was selling Google AdWords and thought, look, I can do a better job than this. So I started up a, a digital agency, you know, from my, again, from my bedroom over a summer break when I was about 22 years old, grew that up to a substantial team, a couple of million dollars in revenue, had the opportunity to sell that business, which I did to my business partner. And then from there, I did a few different kind of startups and businesses. I did a joint venture with the AFL, with three of the AFL football clubs um, on a group buying website. I've run e-commerce businesses. I've run businesses into the ground. I've had successful exit. I've kind of done a lot of you know, different things. And the thing that always kind of that I was tasked with in all of those businesses, which was that fundamental question of how do I get new customers? Um, And it had been a while and my non-compete was kind of expired in the digital space. And I still (laughs) looked at the market and just thought, look, there's no one still grabbing this industry, you know, by the balls and just really, you know, practicing what they preach, generating revenue and helping businesses grow their top line. And that's when I kind of made the decision, you know, to, to, to go at it. Yeah, nice, mate. So why you, Sabri? You know, I've, I, I talk to businesses uh, about um, sales and, and uh, I mean, sales and marketing to me are two different things. They're very closely related, obviously. But, um, you know, often we build into sales processes and scripts that, that whole, you know, why us, why now? And I, I guess for you, it's like you've gone down this path, but, you know, why you? What drives you, mate? Well, in terms of like, you know, why why are we the agency to go with or what is the fundamental thing that kind of drives me as a person? A bit of both, actually. 
Yeah, sure. Well, look, in terms of, you know, with with anything, right, like you want to always look is, is, is that doctor taking their own medicine? You know, are, is this person doing what they said that, that I should do for their own business? You know, is you're going to see a personal trainer? Is this personal trainer, is in, are they in phenomenal shape, right? And if they're not, the chances are that you probably don't want to go with them, right? Um, and it's the same in any line of work and it's the same in digital. Like there's a lot of digital agencies out there that aren't aren't marketing themselves using digital channels and that's because they just can't get the numbers to stack up in their own industry so you know Mm. the whole thing with us is that you know, if you look at a lot of the, you know, clients that we work with and the general theme is that these guys practice what they preach like they I became a client with them because they were doing the exact same things that they're telling me that I should be doing for my business. Um, And I think that that's like a big telltale sign of, is this person an expert? Like one of the things that I do in my own life before I read a book about somebody or an autobiography is I want to actually do some background check on that person and find out, are they the real deal or are they just another guru? Do you know what I mean? Is this person actually doing what they say that they would do? Um, And if they're not, I don't even invest the time and energy with it. So that kind of, you know, to address that that question, that's kind of, I think, if you look at King Kong, if you have a look at what we're doing and what we've been able to achieve in a relatively short amount of time and how we go about marketing our own business is really a testament that we kind of know what we're doing. We're not just out here talking about doing this stuff. We do it every single day in our own business and have done so to grow it to the point where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah. In terms of, I guess, you know, what drives me as as a person, the thing that always fundamentally, you know, drives me when you're in business and, you know, typically revenue and sales is like the scoreboard of kind of how you measure yourself and how well you're doing. And, you know, anyone that's in business and is kind of that elusive first million dollars is everyone kind of holds that million dollars up on like a pedestal. It's like, I just, if I could only get to a million dollars in revenue. And what you find out is that like, once you get there, it's like the horizon. Do you know what I mean? Like your, your eyes are set on that new vantage point and you never kind of really stop why not i'm guilty of it really stop and just kind of appreciate that milestone that that you've hit so kind of i guess you know revenue is definitely there as a driver as kind of you know a kpi of how i'm going and how my business is performing but ultimately the thing that gets me fired up every morning is kind of having a look at the thing that I do is I'm very strict with myself and take an audit on myself is like, are you living up to your potential, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, you can feel good about yourself. Oh, I've done this. I've achieved this. But the question that I always come back to is, yeah, but what are you capable of? Like, are you capable of doing more? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I always imagine this hypothetical situation of like, if I was to meet myself, you know, what would I think of that person? Do you know what I mean? And and are they capable? of achieving more and that's the thing that I really focus on you know I've, I'm very clear of like what I want to achieve and what I want to get out of my life and the type of life that I want to build for myself and my family and it's just every day whether it's a win or a loss is kind of you know f- focusing on moving the ball further up the field and really focusing on like what is it that you, what is your potential like if this is the one life that you get are you living up to that yeah yeah mate that's awesome and uh I'm I'm uh, guessing by this photo of this beautiful man I can see on Skype in front of me, mate. That you, that must be myself. <laughs> you're not that old, Sabri. Like, uh, how many years you got under the belt, mate? 
Um, well, look, I've I've been in the in, in in the industry as I said. I've been selling since I was seventeen. I'm thirty two years of age now, um, and really kind of got into the whole you know entrepreneurial journey when I was around twenty one years of age. That's awesome, mate. That's awesome, and you know I'm sure my listeners can hear the energy in your voice and and uh, you know the way you talk about what you're doing. So, um, well done, mate. And and look, uh, just on that, I, I think uh, just. Doing a bit of background checking myself, you've won, uh, or you've probably won more than one award, mate, but um, you've picked up a couple of accolades in recent times. Yeah, look, we have. Um, you know, we we're fortunate enough um, to be to be named the 35th fastest growing company in the country by the Australian Financial Re- Review last year, um, and, and and making that the, the first the fastest growing digital marketing agency. And um, we've you know won you know numerous awards kind of along the way in terms of like the coolest places to work and things like that. And really, I guess you know the way that I look at it is you know those revenue numbers and you know the fastest growing companies and all of those kind of things is you know, I'm of a firm belief that, you know, the amount of kind of, you know, goodwill that you have in the marketplace and the, how much you're serving, you know, your audience is in direct correlation with kind of how much revenue that you've got. So I look at it really kind of, you know, as value delivery more so than just numbers, you know, in zero and accounting softwares and things like that. While it's all good hitting those numbers, for me, that's just a testament to like, you know, we're providing a lot of value to our marketplace and we're impacting a lot of lives in the way that we've been able to build such a big business. Yeah, it's interesting. And, mate, I want to ask you a question. This is a bit off the wall. I, I didn't sort of plan to ask this, but you're, you're a reasonably young bloke. Um, you've had this meteoric rise in, in uh, King Kong. You know, you're obviously knocking it out of the park at the moment. How do you find the, uh, the mythical Australian culture of the old tall poppy? You know, you've won some awards. Like, are you, are you the target of some haters? Oh, without a doubt, you know what I mean? Like, if you don't have haters, that means you're playing too small, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) if there isn't people, like, coming out of the woodworks and saying bad things about you, that means that you're either playing it too safe or you're not thinking big enough. Um, And, yeah, look, the tall tall poppy syndrome definitely is alive and strong. There's more people online drinking haterade than anything else these days. (laughs) And the reality of it is, right, that like, you know, the haters are always going to be a lot, you know, more vocal than than your fans a lot of the time. And like, I think the ultimate thing is that whenever you see somebody that's made a negative comment on social media or whatever it might be, is just thinking that there's something fundamentally wrong with that person in terms of their own well-being and their happiness for them to kind of be such a troll or to be such a hater. Mm. Um, And I think that, you know, it kind of comes back to you are the average of the five people that you hang around with the most. And that's something that I, you know, I keep a very close circle. I'm a, I'm a new father. I've got a a beautiful wife and I kind of keep that circle of people that, that I deal with, you know, quite, small knit and close because I, I'm very, very, you know, aware that the people that I hang around with on a day-to-day basis, you know, really impact me and the averages of my life and where I want to go. And if you're around people that, you know, always trying to shoot you down or if you're always online reading about, you know, trolls and haters, it kind of takes you away from the prize and takes your, your focus off where it should be. Um, and you start to go into like a retreat mode rather than an expansion mode. Yeah, yeah. So, Mate, I want to, I don't mean to labor this point, but 
how do you deal with the haters? Because I have come across, again, a lot of businesses over the years that get, you know, simple things like negative reviews or someone who must be having a really bad day or perhaps a really bad life as a customer that goes out of their way to say bad stuff about a business. What's your take on how to deal with that stuff, mate? Yeah, look, I think that, you know, in in reality, the first thing that you want to do is if you're in business, you're going to have to know that there's going to be a bunch of people leaving negative, you know, reviews about your business. Like we've got people that have left negative reviews about my business that have never even been a customer and they've just Seriously? gone online. Yeah, and, and, and we see even with our clients' businesses and we've got clients that are multi-billion dollar businesses and the thing that I've kind of looked at is like it's always the businesses that are obviously having the biggest impact and doing the most amount of revenue that have the most haters because they're the ones that are getting the most attention, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think that the first way to look at it is to understand that even if you do a phenomenal job, there's going to be competitors that go in and play dirty and leave negative reviews about you. There's going to be people that don't like your marketing and leave negative reviews about you. And there's that element to it where you will never have a clean record on that front because there's just people that you can't control, right? And then there's people that are clients that, you know, may have had a negative experience. And really what you need to look at that, I think, is one in how can you remedy the problem and making sure that you've done everything to, you know, make it right by that client. And still then there's nothing that they're happy with and they still, you know, want to leave that review online then you kind of just have to take it as it will and just know that that's going to be a part of it. But I think from a business standpoint, you always want to look at how can you remedy it, how much is it going to cost you to remedy it, and how much is that negatively going to impact your business? And is it, is it worth kind of coming to some kind of agreement where, you know, it, you can come to kind of an amicable solution and that's not going to be up there kind of tarnishing your brand, so to speak. So I think that one of the things that you can do to combat that is to really make sure that you're using your, your great customer stories and evangelizing those customers and making them really front and center of your business and and showing a whole bunch of different types of clients that you've done different types of work for. So it's not just one type of of business or client and and really using that to kind of showcase to people that, you know, you do do incredible work. But yeah, like in in, in these kind of companies in these kind of countries where you can't really fully control and you know we're not running dictatorships where you can just get that stuff deleted or anything like that is just you need to be aware of that and you need to bring it home with like you know if you've got people hating on you that means that you're doing the right thing because you're getting lots of attention and if you've got lots of clients don't let the trivial few kind of oversight your judgment from all the great work that you're doing with the majority of all your clients yeah it's it's um i guess what i'm hearing mate is focus on the good really wind up the volume on that and that has the the capability of drowning out the minority noise yeah, because you can't, you can't like you know that if you're in business, that's going to be a reality. Like that, you're definitely going to do that. You're definitely going to get some clients. You cannot please anybody, right? I often say that if you go to the best restaurant in the world, you know it's a it's a kind of Michelin star restaurant. You walk in there, the food is incredible. There's still going to be people that hate it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so the reality of it is if you're providing a trade service, you know, that's less glamorous than the best restaurant in the world, then the reality of it is it's still going to get people that just hate the service or hate the product or hate something about it. Do you know what I mean? And there's just always going to be those percentage of people that you can't please. And you need to be aware of that and not let it kind of detract you from the great work that you're doing. Mm, yeah, great advice, mate. So, 
obviously, you're all about getting more clients rather than more clicks for uh, for customers. What are some of the? I guess I'm interested to know what you think some of the the big fails are that you see out there in the marketplace, particularly with trade businesses. You know, we're talking to tradies here at the Tradies Business Show. Yep. Um, what are some of the epic fails that you see? Sure. Well, the the first thing that that I definitely see is like with with, with trades businesses that again it's one of those businesses where the barriers to entry is is very very low and the waters are bloody with competition right yep the markets are drenched with blood in those industries like plumbers it's like you know you're paying up to 26 bucks a click for things like plumbers melbourne or plumbers sydney which is just ridiculous um and it's like that across most of the trades these days right because you get a lot of people that enter into those markets it's kind of unsophisticated marketing where everybody's basically screaming come and deal with me i've got the best prices right? And it's kind of that race to the bottom where everyone's competing on price. And that's the biggest telltale sign that that I see. And the biggest flaw that I see in trades marketing is people really just going like straight to you've got the biggest range and the best prices or got the best service and the best prices and kind of just all racing to the bottom from from their Google AdWords down to their websites. It's all just heavily price driven Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, I think that, yeah, look, there's a lot of trades businesses that aren't glamorous like if you're you know blocked drains and you guys are unplugging toilets and stuff like that there's not a a whole lot of education and value that you can provide to that marketplace you know on the surface level other than offering the best price but you know one thing that you need to know is that like ten, like people are 10 times more motivated to come to you to learn something than they are to buy something and even though somebody that's looking for a trade is typically someone that we call is a client with a bleeding neck right they've got a, an urgent problem that they need a solution for immediately that's obviously you know that's generally around 1 to 3% of your market has kind of got that urgent problem but then there's a whole bunch of the the rest of the market the other 9 97% of your marketplace that isn't just like they don't have that immediate need that they need an immediate solution for and they maybe just be doing research but then I see tradespeople treating everyone like that 3%. Yeah, we've got the best range you can book in now, got the best range. So I think that the way that I was looking at is like we always look to provide a lot more education and use value-based marketing to educate our buyers and make sure that we are getting the best buyers in that market. So it's just simple things by you know, creating a free report with like, you know, the 11 things no plumber would dare tell you or like mm. just things around the markets that you can provide a bit of value to because if you're providing value and you know that the majority of your market isn't looking to buy right now, but you're the one that are kind of providing that value, educating them along the way, when they are ready, who do you think that they're going to choose? Do you know what I mean? Are they going to choose the guy on Google who they know nothing about? Or are they going to choose Larry who's been dropping them with all this valuable knowledge about, you know, getting the plumbing right in their new home build? Like the, the answer is obvious. Do you know what I mean? So I think moving away more so from just that cheap race to the bottom when no one wins that race to more of kind of what are some value add that you've got in terms of providing value to that marketplace? It's a, it's a hard road though, isn't it, Sabri? Yeah, look, it is. It, 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 it's definitely a hard road, but anything that is worth doing is going to be hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, it comes back to, you know, being willing to do all the things that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do. Do you know what I mean? So, mm. while it is a lot of work to kind of get it right in the beginning, 
the rewards are there. Do you know what I mean? So if you're a trader and you're listening to this right now and you may be new to the game, you might be doing business for a while, the thing that I ask you to do is really just to take an audit of your business, of your website, at your offering and have a look at how does that compare with all the noise that is out there. We've never lived in a more noisy society than there is right now in terms of marketing messages. And if you can't basically put your website down and have you know five or ten other competitors that are on page one of Google right next to it and you can't look at your business and clearly say that is my point of difference, then how do you expect your prospects and your customers to do that. So like uh, that's just something that you must do. You mustn't just approach it the same way that everybody else has and expect for some incredible different result. Yeah. So Sabri, what's your philosophy on, you know, social media is part of life these days and and look, for anyone who's not um, and I, I don't suggest, you know, being on social media because that's very different to utilizing social media in my books. Um so I think that's a given, you know, you have to have some sort of strategy. Is there a right platform? Is there too many platforms or channels to use? I mean, do, do you have some tips? Because, I, again, I hear from lots of trade business owners where I think they get a lot, a bit overwhelmed by, well, should I be on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or all of them? Or how do I do that and how do I work all that together? Yeah, sure. And look, I think that like, you know, when if you have a look at like, you know, what's going on in society today is, and especially with business owners, is the thing that I see business owners doing is trying to do like a thousand things and just getting completely overwhelmed. And what they end up doing is this, you know, they're on the hamster wheel and they're running, running faster, faster for kind of less money and less cheese at the end of the day. (laughs) And that's because they're just trying to do so many things. And if you're trying to constantly chase like what is the next flavor of the month social media platform or marketing trend um, that's a fool's errand do you know what I mean you're never going to get anywhere if you do that I think the fundamental thing to look at is like where are my customers and what is going to be the best utilization of my time right we all have the same 24 hours a day and I think what makes the successful people really successful is for what not that they choose to focus on but what they choose to ignore and if I was a tradie I'm going to be simple. Is, are my customers on Snapchat? The reality is no, right? <laughs> you know, is somebody you know on LinkedIn that's looking for a specific trait? Look, they may be. Is it more of a kind of, you know, business services market and recruiters and stuff? Probably yes, right? Who is my market? My market is the everyday person. Where is the everyday person? They are on Facebook. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I think when it comes to traffic, the two grown-ups in the room right now is really Facebook and Google. They're the ones that really have the lion's share and running like a duopoly on traffic right now. And, you know, it it, it depends on every single business. The fundamental thing that I want to look at is where are my customers, right? Where are their eyeballs? And I want to get in front of those. Um, and so, in, you know, you'd be much better off doing one platform and doing it well and giving it the time and justice to get your head around it and start utilizing it for your business than you are to be on Instagram and Snapchat and LinkedIn and all these different platforms trying to do everything. Do you know what I mean? That's everybody uh, obviously always kind of has that novel thing of what is shiny, what is new. <laughs> this is the silver bullet, right? I'm just going to get on Snapchat and I'm just going to customers are just going to start falling from the sky on this new Snapchat channel. That's just the delivery 
vehicle, right? Like we say at King Kong, like we're a channel agnostic agency, which means that we don't care what the channel is, right? I understand that these channels are going to change over the years. The number one thing that you really want to get become a master at is knowing your marketplace, knowing what are their hopes and dreams, their pains and fears, and really understanding them better than any of your competitors, and then creating what we call a godfather offer, which is an offer so good they can't refuse. And then utilizing all of these channels and social media and all these different traffic channels as the delivery vehicle just to get that messaging in front of those prospects. Mm. Sounds really simple, mate. Look, it is. People (laughs) try to make it very, very complicated and they get worked up in a frenzy and they try to do so many things and it really just takes their eyes off, off the prize when you can just dial it back and get really, really simple and do very, very well. So, mate, your journey... Has it been uh, pretty smooth or have there been a few bumps in the road? Look, there is always bumps in the road, you know what I mean? Like there, there, there has been many and certainly like when, when I was starting the business and I was working, you know, from my bedroom and I was, you know, selling by day and, and doing the work by night, you know, pulling 18-hour days and then kind of got it to the point where, you know, I got, my, I got my first office and then after getting, you know, my first office, kind of, you know, getting the first team members and then building them up and I guess, you know, I always say that it's really difficult to kind of get to those first 10 team members because you know once you know you know I've had you know my first three kind of team members didn't work out and then they left and then you kind of back to square one right and it takes a lot of firepower to kind of keep that engine going and not to get really disheartened when you know someone's come on board they've been with you for a couple of months you've trained them up and then they leave and you're like oh I have to do all of that again <laughs> um, and there was many instances like that throughout my business um, where, where I've had to do that and then get back in the trenches and start actually carrying out the work again um, and that's just a part of it do you know what I mean, there's always going to be those ups and downs, you know, success isn't all the stuff that you see on Instagram or magazine covers or all these stuff. They always show you the end result, but they don't show you the amount of work and all the setbacks that went into achieving that outcome. And that's the thing that, you know, it's really important to know that you're going to have those setbacks and you're going to have to get up and go at it again. Uh, And that's where you really want to have the whole reason of why you're doing this. You know, I have a saying, have your why's so big that your hows become easy. Do you know, if your why is so big of why you're doing this, if you want to look after your wife or if you want to look after your husband or you want to help your mother or your father out or whatever it is, you know, having those whys really crystallized. So when you have those setbacks in your business and in your life, it's kind of like, you know, you take a moment, you digress a bit and then you get your, you know, you get your mind right and you look back at why you're doing this and where you're going and, and knowing that it's going to be a journey, um, but you'll get there. Yeah, mate, uh, you've pretty much just packaged up the whole uh, formula for success in business, Subri. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, I'd be surprised if I could do that in a sentence, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, it's, uh, you know, you mentioned hard work in there. I, I have lots of people who are, um, I guess, seeking the the solution, you know, the simple solution. It's like, well, what's the what's the one piece of advice or what's the one strategy or, you know, tell me how to do it. What's the easy way? And when will this get better and easier? And it's like, often my answer is, you know what? Never. Like it's always, there's always going to be hard work to do. And anyone who tells you that you can achieve success in anything, whether that's with your health or your relationship or anything without actually doing some work, uh, I think they're probably selling snake oil to be honest. 
Yeah, they're either delusional or they're trying to sell you their solution for how you can do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's not to say that, um, I mean, you know, you're selling services and I, I sell yep. my services uh, as a tradie wingman. So I think there's um, people who have figured out how to avoid the the swamp a little bit more. <laughs> but it's not to say that you never slip off the path and end up in the weeds like you said before. Yeah. And look, I think that's like, you know, for, for the people that are always looking for that, you know, that silver bullet or they're kind of jumping from, you know, a book or a training from one thing to the next, always looking for that easy solution is, you know, just really knowing like if someone said like, what's that X factor, right? Like what's that thing that determines, you know, if you're going to be successful or not? I think that, you know, there's always a lot of luck involved and timing and all of those things. Mm -hmm. But if you boil it down and you kind of pull it back and look at like, what is you can't control the luck, right? You can't do, do anything to really influence that so much other than be prepared for it when it arrives at you. Yeah. But I think the one thing that you can control is like your work ethic and how much you work. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to kind of be raised by a single parent mother and really just see her work three jobs, come back from work, still cook me and my sister a beautiful, healthy meal and just never complaining and having just an unbelievable work ethic has really ingrained that level of work ethic in myself. And that's the only thing that you can really control at the end of the day. You know, if you're willing to outwork any one of your competitors, the reality of it is that you will be more successful than them, right? So, you know, we're living in a day and age where it's so much instant gratification and kind of like, oh, I post my stuff on social media, I get a bunch of likes, a bunch of followers, and it's just that instant thing. And like, we're kind of being trained to like expect that in all areas of our life because, you know, the stuff that we engage with on a day to day gives you that, like, that shot of dopamine and gives you that instant gratification. We're just knowing that, like, nothing great. Nothing that, you know, really is a, a really remarkable achievement has happened overnight. It all becomes, it all comes from a lot of sweat, blood, you know, blood, sweat and tears and a lot of work that goes into it. So don't kind of, you know, be deceived by that and know that that is the number one thing that you can control. If you can control how much you work and what your work ethic is, you know, then, you know, if you keep at it and you do it enough, enough focused effort and you keep iterating over time, that is the X factor for how successful that you're going to be. Hmm. Wise words, mate. Wise words. So on the, on the topic of wise words, a couple more questions for you, Sabri. And I know you're a busy man, so I won't keep you too much longer. Um, mate, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, tradie business owners, uh, what would be one piece of advice? Or I'll let you have two as a bonus. <laughs> Because <laughs> I reckon you've got more than two as well, but but what what would you want to uh, I guess you know in that wrap up of a of a conversation? It's like if you do one or two things in your business, do this or with your marketing or whatever it is. What's your sage words of advice? Yeah, look, I think that you know the first thing that you know I would stress for all of them to do is to basically sit down if they're not a numbers person, to sit down with their accountant and have a look over their books and have a look at, on average, how much is the lifetime value of a client worth to their business? What is their LTV, right? Their lifetime value of a client. And really get clear on what that is. Like, you know, most businesses just don't know that straight out the gate, right? They just don't know how much a client is worth. You ask them and they say that varies, right? It did, I got some 
tiny clients and then some big jobs. I understand that it varies. Go and have a look at how much revenue you've done in the last 12 months and divide that by the number of clients that you serviced, right? And have a look. That's just an easy ballpark way to kind of get and arrive at that number and understand what that number is. Then once you've once you understand what that number is, then have a look at it and start to think of how much would you be willing to spend in order to acquire that customer. If you know that client is worth $2,000 to you and you know you make $800 in profit margin off that 2K, what would you be willing to spend in order to acquire that. And you know, don't say $5 or $10. Literally think about it if someone said, I've got 30 of these clients and they're the exact kind of client that you like working with and I know that you make $800 in profit of each client and I want $300. Would you do that? And the answer is typically yes. So once you've kind of got those two numbers dialed in, you know, okay, this is how much I make, this is how much it costs to acquire me a client, you want to look at every single piece of marketing that you do for your trades business as falling into those things, okay, how much am I spending on this and how many clients am I getting as a result of this? And knowing that like, you know, when you're ahead or when you're behind and, and cutting out your losses and then moving that money into something that's obviously going to get you a return. So that's kind of the non-sexy like unit economics of it. Then the other, the other flip side to that coin is once you kind of got those dialed in, then what you want to do is really take an audit of your market like I spoke about earlier, is having a look at what all your competitors are doing, what are they offering, you know, what is their kind of hook, how are they getting people involved, are they all just screaming price, get a free measure and quote, what's the whole, their whole angle, and then really going out and providing some education and some value to that marketplace before ever asking for anything in return and you'll find that you know your share of voice will go up just exponentially because everybody else is out there screaming hey we've got the best service and the best prices and we're the cheapest and come and speak to me right right now and you're out there you know educating people about you know the things to look out for and you know the five pieces of information that you absolutely must know before speaking you know to a plumber or speaking to a, a plasterer or whoever it might be right and having that ed education in there and I think that if you get those two, two things modeled and dialed in you will be ahead of 99% of all businesses <laughs> it, it is it's just so very simple mate and, you, and you're absolutely speaking my language it's music to my ears to hear all this stuff about metrics and look I have an accounting and financial planning background originally um, and so same stuff it's like well how much did you make out of that and what's your margin and it's the same with marketing you know it's all about numbers it, it certainly is, and the thing is that, like, you know, the he who can um, he can who he who can afford to acquire um, a customer and pay the most amount of money to acquire a customer is the person that wins. Yeah. In every single situation that there is in business, right? The person who can afford to spend the most to acquire a customer is the one that wins. And with that said, is that what you find is with most people is that they're focused 80% of their time on how they can spend less money on marketing or how they can acquire customers for a cheaper rate, right? When that's the, the wrong way to look at it. You should be spending 80% of your time looking at how can you provide even more value value to your clients and basically increase the lifetime value of a client rather than your focus being on how can you, you know, reduce mm, your cost yep. to acquire that client. Because if you're providing more value to that client and if you're able to charge more than any of your competitors, you are then 
able to spend more money to acquire that customer, and you win. That's it. Game over. Yeah. Yeah, you, you should be looking to for ways to invest more in marketing rather than less. Oh, without a doubt. There is nothing, there is no other medium on planet Earth that gives you the returns that paid marketing does. Like, you know, we were just looking at the numbers and having a look at, like, what is the average, you know, rate of return on, like, a term deposited account for a business? You're trading, <laughs> you've got a bunch of money sitting in a bank account, right? You know, these guys, you know, are, are willing to pay you 1%, 2 3% if you're lucky, right? And then you have a look at real estate. Real estate, on average, is around 11% return on investment, you you know, where, you know, what we see, you know, in our business and working with all our clients' businesses is that, like, you know, you're able to get, you know, in some instances, a 600% return or, a, you know, a 1,000% return on your money from paid advertising. If your, you know, business is one of the most incredible platforms and vehicles for building wealth for yourself. And the reality of it is that, you know, doing paid advertising is, you know, really the fuel to that fire. It's the oxygen of the business that really gets sales cranking out and can provide just the most incredible returns for that business owner or that entrepreneur. And I just see it way too often that business owners kind of wear it as a badge of honor that they don't advertise. Like, I don't need to advertise. And like, you know, in all reality, it's like, you know, my my simple and rude answer to that is, well, you're stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) while you may be getting referral clients right now, you are missing out on all this other revenue purely because you're looking at advertising as a cost to your business and not an investment and there's no other investment that you could make that would give you the same returns. No. And I, I've had him on uh, the podcast a couple times now, uh, a buddy of mine over in the States, uh, Nick May from Walls by Design and now called the Business Brush podcast as well that he's running. Uh, okay. But he's a painting contractor and he's getting, well, the first time I spoke to him, I think it was a 12 times return on investment from Facebook marketing. And, Phenomenal. And now that's like 15 to 20 times and it's just, it's an absolute no-brainer for him and it's not actually difficult. You know, he's just posting little videos of, uh, you know, kitchens that he's repainted and then boosting it and getting inquiries from that uh, and growing his following base and just continuing to provide information and tips and all exactly. that stuff. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's definitely doable, and he's just a little painting contractor in um, Denver. Um, yeah, not not sexy, not a sexy industry, right? And he's <laughs> gone in there, and he's just providing value to that place and making something that's boring, you know, value based and a bit entertaining. And you know, he's reaping the rewards of doing so. Absolutely. So, Sabri, what is next for King Kong, mate? It sounds like you've already, uh, you know, you've stormed the city and stolen the dame and uh, (laughs) um, made off with uh, the awards and the money, but what's next, mate? Yeah, look, in terms of, you know, I, I'm definitely not resting on, on my laurels. My my intention is to certainly build the biggest um, and the best digital marketing agency in Australia, you know, inside the next kind of 18 months. Um, so I've got got my eyes on that and I've got a, a couple of other projects that I'm working on, this, on, on, on the side as well. But for me, it's really about, you know, building King Kong into literally just the best agency that there possibly is and really kind of focusing on how do we provide as much value to our clients as possible and I think it's it's that long-term perspective on things where you just we constantly focus on how can we provide the best results and the best value for our clients that will ultimately end up winning the game Mm. sounds awesome mate sounds like fun Uh, now we've talked about giving value and I couldn't 
close out an episode with you, mate, without offering something of value to the listeners. So I believe you've got some valuable information to share. Yeah, sure. Well, look, for anyone, you know, that's listening to this and saying like, this all sounds great, but like, where do I start with my business? My business is different. It's unique. You know, this kind of stuff that Subri is talking about, you know, it won't work on my business is typically how most people think. Um, and the reality of it is that all our most successful clients thought that as well before they signed up as us as a client. But what, you know, for you, you're starting out, you're looking for that next step. You're looking for a bit of information. You know, I'd suggest that you go to our website, which is kingkong.com. Com.au, and we've got a free report right there on our homepage, which is five ways to double your sales. Um, and just go ahead and download that and, and, and basically have a look at the kind of value that we're trying to provide to people. You'll have five actionable strategies that you can use right there to really move the needle on your business this year. Um, and just, yeah, just basically all I suggest that you do is go ahead and download that um, and not only read that information, but then go about and actually implement some of those things and take action and kind of move one step towards where you ultimately want to be going. Awesome, mate. Well, look, Sabri, thanks for coming on the show, mate. I could have asked you a thousand more questions and just listened to you talk about marketing for hours uh, because it is, uh, it's been you know mystified a bit, I think, by the industry, unfortunately. And a lot of people just get confused and think it's all too hard and then they do nothing. So, mate, uh, well done. Well done on your results as well. And uh, one last thing, mate, how on earth did you come up with the name King Kong? Um, yeah, well, look, I've always kind of used and looked at like business as the analogy of like, you know, business is a jungle and only the strongest survive. Um, and like, I thought the name King Kong was pretty cool as being like the apex predator in that space. <laughs> but also it's a point of also taking an, an audit and really looking around Warwick and having a look at the industry and seeing like, you know, what is everybody doing? Like are the internet marketing experts and top Google rankings and this and then that it's just all these kind of names that really like you know don't really mean anything there's no brand attached to it um and was really wanted to kind of go out there and just build a brand and carve out and really own the industry um and build something that's memorable you will never forget that the name of the company that deals with your digital marketing is called king kong i can tell you that <laughs> uh that's awesome mate well look uh thanks again sabri i appreciate your time mate and uh, it's been awesome to connect with you and uh, yeah, listeners, go check out that free download and uh, and start marketing properly, for goodness sakes. Terrific. Well, thanks for having me on, Warwick. Um, it was great talking to you as well. And yeah, guys, go out there, you know, start marketing and start really, you know, knowing what those levers to pull down on your business and, and watch it grow. Awesome. Thanks, Sabri. Thank you. There you go. Hope you got some value out of that. I'd be surprised if you didn't. And uh, I definitely think that stuff about measuring where your leads are coming from and uh, your acquisition cost and everything and lifetime value, critical, critical stuff if you're doing any marketing in your business. So to find out more about how to double your revenue, those five uh, levers that Sabri talked about, head over to tradiesbusinessshow.com forward slash King Kong and you'll find the links there in the show notes to grab his uh, his free download. Uh, I'll also pop it up on Facebook, so you should be able to find that pretty easily. But tradiesbusinessshow.com forward slash King Kong. Go grab the free guide. Find out uh, what you need to do to your marketing to double your sales and uh, build a fantastic trade business. All right, that's it from me for this episode. Until next one, hooroo. You've been listening to The Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell. 
Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.